Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. With each mortgage-free home, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation delivers on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices America's greatest heroes have made for us. Heroes that put their lives on the line for all of us, risking their lives for our country and our communities. These heroes need your help now more than ever. Help America's heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. It is DJ, joined as always by my glorious co-host, Kelsey. And Kelsey, it's that time of the year when all the sports come piling in at once. You got October baseball, you got NBA season kickoff, you got NFL in the heat of things. We're more than a quarter of the way through. Fisticuffs and different fight events starting the pile on for the end of the year. It's a great day to be a fan of sports and not to mention college football and college basketball coming up as well, too. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about me being glorious, but this is a glorious time of the year. That is for sure. I mean, you might be a little bit embellishing, trying to butter me up or something. But, uh, yeah, look, hey, this is the best time of the season. I absolutely love it. As you said, all the sports happening. We just had all the midnight madnesses happening for basketball. I mean, uh, NBA basketball is back. I mean, goodness, everything's here. Uh, By the way, we'll talk about the NBA basketball season here coming up in our highs and lows section. But, DJ, I mean, to start us off on the tip-off, I mean, man, what do you – what what what's what's happening right now? Well, we're not going to waste any time. As you mentioned, we have so much to talk about. We'll go right into the tip off. The Deshaun Watson saga continues to have not only another chapter, but maybe a whole nother series behind it. There's been talks of him going to the Eagles or the or the Dolphins for the last four months now. It seems like basically since he said I want to be traded. Well, now things seem to be heating up. As it sounds like there's rumors that he could be dealt to the Dolphins as early as this week. Now we this comes out on Thursday, so it might happen when this by the time this is out, it could be really close. Could be right after. Who knows? Maybe as soon as this episode drops, he gets traded. You never know how it's going to go. But the weird part about this one on top of it is there's also a strong rumor circulating that part of that deal is it's a three-team trade that includes sending Tua Tagovailoa to Washington and then basically both teams sending all their assets straight to, the say, Houston. So Houston will just load up on picks and whatever else they want. So that's what I think makes this one a little bit more interesting. And there's also the Dark Horse Broncos somehow potentially somehow involved in this as well too but i haven't heard too much about that but i'll go straight to you first kelsey as somebody who thinks we both think Tua could be a viable nfl quarterback just miami it has not worked out the way it should like they haven't built a team significant for two and brian flores clearly doesn't want to they've wanted Deshaun, regardless of if he's able to play or not what do you think if this hypothetically does go down where houston collects a buttload of future assets to us in washington and Deshaun's in miami well the outlook in houston immediately becomes so much brighter first of all you dump this cloud of will he ever be able to play again situation. Is he 
did he do it type of situation. And, and I mean, obviously, you also have the fact that in your building, you have a guy who is not playing with the rest of his teammates, but yet he sees the rest of his teammates every single day. And, it, it, like, they just won't play. Like, I mean, he won't play. So you go from having an asset just sitting there on the shelf to now you have assets that can grow into something more important, which if you're Houston, well, hopefully you can fix your picks, your, your own your own drafting woes, I should say. Uh, but I think that would be in, uh, definitely an advantage for Houston. But you look at it for for Miami, potentially for Washington. I don't really like the move for Washington personally. I I don't like Tua going to Washington at all. Uh, I just I don't think he's a good quarterback fit for Washington. I, I, again, another team that you have a guy like Terry McLaurin, who by the way can run all the routes for Tua. But let's be completely honest, Terry McLaurin's not best at running slants and running short ends and, and quick outs. Like that's not his best game. His best game is a double move past somebody, or his best game is a deep post, just using his his pure athleticism to beat people. Um, Logan Thomas is not a guy that's just going to play a stick route every single play. I mean, that's that's not what he's good at. He's not Jason Witten. He's not just get to the line, get to the first down marker and turn around. Gibson is a great running back. He's not going to be the guy that you're going to rely on, like what Tua was able to do with Najee Harris in, in his time in, in Alabama with being able to dump it off. So I think for Washington, this is a very bad move. I do not think this is a good one at all. I think I think they'd be picking up Tua purely to trade Tua to somebody in the offseason. Ooh, I'm gonna before we get too far, I'm gonna bounce that right off you as well. Too. Where do you what give me a couple of teams you'd like to see Tua go to and should they make the move for him? Like I want to hear a couple of teams that you think Tua would be good for. Because we we both agree Tua could be really, really good, but it has to be in you know, a situation that works for him, sort of thing. Too like he can't you can't just plug and play him everywhere. He's not Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, anything like that. It's similar to Lamar Jackson effect, where if you put him in that offense, he will be an MVP. Not saying Tua will be, but you put him in that right offense, you can win games with him. So what what couple teams do you think should really take a strong look at? Look, uh, I mean, if you're Pittsburgh right now, well, you have Big Ben that's probably going to fall off the shelf here shortly. You have to rebuild this line. Well, if you can take the the effect of Big Ben leaving and, and minimize that, and you run a perfect offense, by the way, for Tua, the slant game, you showed it last year, 2.3 seconds to get rid of the ball on slants. You can be successful. And Tua, that is what he does well. Slant boy, but as a whole team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, it's it's a situation where he is such a quality game manager. He doesn't make very many bad mistakes. He'll be very efficient, but he does it on very short routes. It's, I mean, really, it's once you hit over that 20-yard mark for me is where Tua's like, that becomes questionable, but off of play action, that's where he can be. He can hit you deep, and that's really what we we've always seen in his career. And there's no team that I would worry about more than Pittsburgh getting a Tua if they got an offensive line as well in the offseason, which is something that they are. You know that that that, that team wants to do. And so Pittsburgh number is is one of the ones to me. I've also floated around the idea of him going to Seattle if Russell leaves, which Russell does for all intents and purposes look like he'll be leaving in the offseason, according to rumor mill, according to everything, and well. We'll see where he goes. If he ends up in Pittsburgh, which is kind of one of the destinations that they talk about, they also talk about him ending up in New York, then that does leave Seattle wide open for somebody like Tua to walk into, who that Seattle offense, very archaic in the fact that it is run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, throw it up to somebody downfield. And if you can actually take that offense and run real routes with it with Tyler Lockett, well, that provides a guy to get the underneath slant routes, and DK can run a really good slant route because he's such a big body guy, nobody can get in front of him. I mean, I, I think that Seattle team is a sleeper team for him, but that's more down to in the offseason what happens there. But I do think this is going to be based off. If he does end up at Washington, 
are Washington actually planning on playing him or are they planning on trading him? And I think that's the big the big question. Fair saying, and I didn't catch. What do you think about the trade for the Dolphins? You're getting Deshaun Watson when he plays a top five, six potential quarterback in the league. But the question is, does he play? You're basically conceding. Well, this season we're tanking. We're conceding one in five. We are done. Jacoby, maybe steal a few games just so the Eagles don't get the number one overall pick. So here's the tough thing. Because none, as of my reading of this right now, uh, according to the reports, none of the actual reports have been filed that were claimed to have been filed. None of them are, 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 are any more pending. And if they are, they are not withholding him from being playing. From, from any playing time because they're they're in civil court not anything else um so nothing is stopping this man from playing whatsoever how rusty is he how much how quick can he learn the offense for miami is going to be a big question but to be fair it's not a very complicated offense uh it's not like you're going into new england to try to learn that tom brady led offense back when tom brady was there you're not like you're trying to go into indianapolis or denver and learn after peyton manning was there or Andrew Luck was in, in Indy. Like you're not trying to do that. You're not trying to reinvent the wheel. This is all very all something he has very he's very familiar with. Uh the the terminology might change a little bit, but it's something that he can figure out. Um I will say I this is a tough one because I, I'm I'm still in the in the mindset of let the legal things play out. If he can play and he will play in Miami, uh, I think Miami obviously you upgrade completely at quarterback. It does make my <laughs> greedily my picks for Miami in the offseason, in my predictions, looks a little bit closer to becoming true uh, with with Deshaun at quarterback rather than Tua. So I, I'll say it works for them until it doesn't. Um, like, it's going to work for them until, well, the other shoe falls and all the legal things hit the fan. I say once they do get filed and then you lose Deshaun and then it's like, well, okay, you're, you say you get two games with him, you look great. It's everything you, that you can imagine for a Dolphins fan. And then things get filed or there's another one that has a lot. There's something just, as you mentioned, another something major legal happens. And then he's gone. It's literally the South Park gift of, and he's gone. And yeah, then you're and stuck in a hole with no compensation, basically, depending on how long it takes. And the big things with these is because they were filed civil court and not in criminal court, It's it, it, it provides more of a, well, did he actually ever really do it excuse? And and that's what's scary about this whole situation is, you know, this is not something that is a very, should be ever taken lightly with Sean. And, and unfortunately, that's the problem with it being the way it is and this being played out the long, as long as it has. I, I feel like a lot of people aren't taking it as seriously. Like what Deshaun did was messed up if it was true comes out true that it happened like if these cases are won by the filees like this is really bad he should never play football again but the fact is because they're in civil court now that that gets kind of looked at like oh well that's just going to be a slap on the hand for you there uh Deshaun, that's two games guaranteed from Roger Goodell. He'll end up on the exempt list or something like that too like it's very interesting I but I agree with you if he does if he is able to play Miami they look a lot like the team we thought they'd be in the offseason. Well, too, a team that we both had making the playoffs, which they're very well not on pace to do right now. That is very at one in five. They're a, they're on pace to be giving the Eagles another top five pick, top five pick at this rate as well, too, in the first round. For Washington, I think two is an upgrade from Taylor Heineke and Ryan Fitzpatrick. And in the NFC, obviously the Cowboys seem to be running away with the division, but maybe Washington could squeak a playoff spot with him along those lines with the talent they have. Terry McLaurin, well, I think I agree with you. He's better down the field mid-range. He is like those deep dig routes, him and Alex Smith connect on the crossing routes. The shorter routes, I think he's a better vertical receiver. You'd like to have a quicker in and out slot receiver to go with to a Curtis Samuel. They were hoping could maybe be that they're kind of running former running back, quick route running guy, but his injury puts a damper in that. So he upgrades, but I don't know how much. And if that's the type of guy Ron Rivera necessarily would want either, 
So that's another question as well. If he is able to go, I like those two teams you mentioned. There's, I think there's plenty of teams too that can thrive with. It's just Miami does not want him. They have made that very, very clear. So he has no chance there. And Houston, how great would that be? You go from having no picks because Bill O'Brien traded them all away for a bag of Doritos and no DeAndre Hopkins. And now you have a plethora of picks you get from everybody else. That'd be quite the flip around for Houston, probably just what they need because they got to replace basically a decade's worth of drafting and developing players all gotten rid of in less than two years in no small part because Bill O'Brien was an absolute mess. So it's a trade that could work for everybody. And I agree with you. I think too, a, a fresh scenery could really help him a team that actually believes in him, a team that's like, all right, this is what you do. Well, we're going to do that. I like how you do this. We're going to put this around you. I, you hate that. We're not going to force you to do that right now. It seems like there's like, well, we got you weapons. Well, they're always hurt guys i mean like i have one weapon in jalen waddle that's consistently healthy and he has 23 catches already he leads all rookies in receptions and if i'm not mistaken he's not too far behind jamar chase in yards and in touchdowns he's a little ways behind because jamar chase is running away with that at a ridiculous pace but if you take away jamar chase jalen waddle is one of the best rookie receivers you'll have out there jamar chase is just taking over he's he's like his former teammate justin jefferson was as a rookie is how he's looking right now he's on pace to crack 1500 so Taking him away, Jalen Waddle will be one of your better rookie receivers. You know, Jalen Waddle, what he's able been able to do. I mean, obviously, any any quarterback that can play with him would should be at an advantage. Granted, we talked about it. For Tua, it feels like of the two Bama receivers you could have gotten there, you got the the one that is the least copacetic with Tua's skill set, you know. Um, but uh, but that is a good point. Jalen Waddle, obviously. Huge weapon to have uh, for the, for any Dolphins future quarterback. I think he would honestly go better with Jalen Hurts too, a guy who likes to throw the ball downfield almost to a reckless abandon where, where Devontae Smith can smoke you off anywhere out. Like Tua can always throw the ball deep. We saw him do it to Devontae Smith to win a national championship, but it's more of up the sideline, the deep nine route pattern, not a deep post or a deep crossing route or that over under corner in a, against the two deep and threading it in there with like where you layer it over with a high bullet basically. Like those aren't his strong suits. He has deep accuracy arm strength and a deep accuracy touch but doesn't have that extra zip that some of those ridiculous arm talent guys have. He doesn't have the Patrick Mahomes, the Justin Herbert BS, basically. He'd have to he'd have to learn how to paint many it, if you will, too, or even Tom Brady, guys that don't have the most ridiculous arm strengths, but their ability to layer the ball was absolutely unparalleled. Even Drew Brees, for a matter of fact, as well, too. He could hit every blade of grass was in danger because of how accurate and how they mastered those little intricacies because they didn't always have that ridiculous arm strength. Yeah, I mean, it's it's something that you see Tua do it. It's off play action when we saw if – I, I never thought I'd hear of the day where I've uh, th- that a quarterback had a timing route on a 40 yard plus pass play, but supposedly when as Peyton Manning got older, that was kind of what his deep balls turned into was a timing route. Which, by the way, let's just consider that for a second. Like a timing route, 40 yards downfield. How accurate do you have to be? How precise do you have to be? That just adds to the greatness that is a guy like Peyton Manning, um, just in his career. But Look, this is a uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know what you could do to take advantage of it anymore. But yeah, there's a whole a whole different part of this. And I also have to point out that there have been some uh, some messages since in the last couple hours that we've been reading up um, on Twitter. NFL landscape is fluid, but in regards to trades involving the Dolphins, Tua and Deshaun, a source close to the situation texted Marcel Lewis Jackson. By the way, that's who's tweeting this out. That the rumors are completely false. So that is something to consider as well. Um, Marcel Lewis Jackson, obviously, pretty good insider to have over there as well. Obviously, not your Shefty, but uh, with your Schefter bombs. But he has his own issues right now. Adam Schefter does. So, uh, moving on from that. But yeah, Marcel Lewis Jackson might be might be the one to follow on this one. 
as is with all the Deshaun Watson rumors we've had the last handful of months, take with a pound of salt as well, too. And I will add a lot of before we get out of here to a lot. One person is compared to a lot coming out. Drew Brees. What it happened was the best thing that happened to Drew Brees career. Getting the hell out of Dodge. Yeah. So maybe getting the hell out of Miami might be the best thing for him. And ironically, because Miami said no to Drew Brees. How funny would that be if Miami says no to Tua, goes somewhere else and ends up being the Tua tug of Iloa we all expected. So. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You never know. Maybe that's just what the doctor orders well, too. But that's going to take us into the main event brought to you by Dr. Squatch. Smell like a man. Feel like a champion. All the wonderful soap feel. None of the harsh chemicals or roughness on your skin. Pick it up today. It is spooky season. They do got a spooky brick soap bar available for you as well, too. Click on our link and you'll be able to find that. Would highly recommend as well to get you right into the season. But Kelsey, it's our favorite part of the week. The highs and the lows. And now with sports kicking really into high gear, it's not just football. We got a little bit of everything. So I'm going to go to you first. What's your first high and your first low? Yeah, we we, we alluded to it in the lead up and the uh, the kickoff to the show. The NBA season is back. And man, the, the reigning champs, the Milwaukee Bucks, came out in some sick warm-ups. All white, gold logos everywhere. I'm a big fan of all white with gold logos, especially on a basketball court. And these rings, man, Cold they are ice. They they look like ice, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, those things are absolutely clean. A couple white diamonds on there, white white gold on there with the diamonds inlaid on it. You got the giant buck logo on the the dead center of it. I mean, those look fantastic. And you know what? The game on the court matched, and I'm uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun to watch last night. That basketball is back in general. Absolutely. So we'll go. What's your first low now? Uh, first low though, the downside of basketball coming back. Mm. Well, that is the L.A. Lakers. And I'm not just saying the Lakers because I don't like the Lakers or what it would be, but because the Lakers struggled scoring. I mean, truthfully, outside of uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, who, by the way, scored 67 points between the two of them in a loss where they lost and put up 114 points, that means 47 uh, points were scored on the remaining eight players to play in the day. The remaining eight, that's 5.9 points per player. Let's talk about some of these players. Carmelo Anthony. Kent Bazemore, Rajon Rondo, Russell Westbrook, Avery Bradley, all couldn't crack double digits in this game. Triple-double from Steph Curry on one side. Draymond Green absolutely just destroyed. Nemanja Bialica, by the way, who they picked up in the offseason from the Kings, yeah, just had a nice little 20-point night himself. I mean, you got Bialica scoring on one side for for the Warriors, and you have... Guys that I've talked about as possible six men of the year and even even first-team All-NBA guys coming up this season, not able to score double digits. Not a good look for the Lakers, who I'm sure will probably figure it out. They always end up doing it. But uh, you can't expect LeBron and AD to carry you with 30-plus points every single night. That's just not going to happen. It feels almost like the way they used Russell Westbrook, it feels like they literally brought him over just to be new, the new Kevin Love, basically. I hope that's not the case. I hope they don't really just bring him in here to scapegoat him. I hope they actually find a way to make it work because the way that he was utilized in that first game was it's not a good outlook on the season. I, they, As you said, they always find a way to change it, so I'm sure they'll be just fine. So, I mean, it was probably just game one stuff. It always happens. Oh, yeah, 100%. That's, 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 I'm talking about the game one things, but right now it is, that's still not a good look. 
Not at all. And uh, for my first high, I'm going to stay on the hardwood and I'm going to stay with the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm going to check in with the reigning finals MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo. 32 points, 14 rebounds, seven, seven assists, two blocks. What a sensational way to kick it back off. There was a lot of talk in the offseason. Is he the best player? Well, no, it's still Kevin Durant. Uh, it was overrated. It was a lucky finals run. Like there was a lot of goofy talk with that one. Well, he came and backed it up against said Brooklyn Nets and Kevin Durant as well, too. They looked as like, oh, if Kevin Durant had a slightly smaller shoe, you wouldn't even made the finals. All right. So he comes out and wins this one. Like Giannis is making that case for the best player in the NBA right now. I think you and I both had him at two when we did our rankings just behind Kevin Durant with plenty of room to climb. And I think he's going to make a strong case this year, too, because the difference with him and a lot of the other guys that get close with LeBron is he doesn't really have long term health issues. Like we talked when Kevin was getting close with LeBron in those OKC days, the injuries kind of got in the way. Steph Curry, that one year he's above him and then came back down to earth like there's a lot of fluctuation. James Harden maybe then fails in the playoffs like there's everyone who's gotten close to that mantle. Very few have taken it. We gave it to Kevin Durant after last year, finally, after so many years of it being LeBron, basically. I think Giannis is coming for that spot now, and he has the ability to not only take it, but hold it long-term. And I wouldn't be surprised if Milwaukee is gunning for a a back-to-back. We talked about, too, we didn't have them going back-to-back. We think this year the NBA is going to be a little bit different. I don't think they're going to – it's hard to go back-to-back. But I think they're going to make a strong case where I think they are not going to be a pushover for anyone. Whoever does win, if it comes out of the East, good luck. It's going to have to go through Milwaukee in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Now, now let's let's not say that KD had a bad game in this one. Not at all. It was more more or less – yeah, 32 and 11 for Katie. But to your point with Giannis, let's not forget, he is still only 26. He has been in the league since 2013, and he is only 26. He'll turn 27 in December. I mean, this is the peak, the beginning of a peak for most NBA players, and he's been playing at his peak for, it feels like, two, three years. And, I mean, if this is what we're going to see peaking-wise, like him coming up and him playing this well, I'm afraid to say that there's a lot of records that might fall to Giannis coming up in, in, in his career. I mean, this is what we're seeing from him is unheralded. We talked about this a lot in the playoffs last year when we were on Colorcast. What Giannis has been able to do, it seems almost unhuman. And just imagine when he figures out how to get a left hand and a little bit of a floater and his game slowly diversifies as we talked about. And he's still arguably a top three defensive player in the game every year as well, too. Like his absolute, his diversity is second to none. His versatility on the score, on the court, absolutely phenomenal. But for my first low, I'm going to stick with a lesser version of Giannis, if you will. I'm looking at Ben Simmons, a guy who has a lot of the similar holes as far as can't shoot, that sort of thing as well, that he has never developed. He is the exact same player that he came in when he was a rookie. Nothing has really changed. It's almost a lateral move. And now he's getting kicked out of practice for refusing to participate. to the point where even his Joel Embiid, his teammate, his bro, the Jarvis to his Odell, if you will, is literally saying, I don't care about that guy. He does what he wants. Like, this is an incredibly messy situation. I know Philadelphia wants to keep him because you can't, you're not going to get equal value. He's a young all-star with four years on his contract. So you can't trade into another young for another young all-star with one year. That's just not a smart move. But at this point, it almost feels like I don't even know how to describe. I can't even think of it on a comparison off the top of my head. He doesn't want to be there and he is a hindrance to the team right now with, the, with those practice names where Doc Rivers has to kick him out of practice. He's not going to play for you. And if he does, he's going to do everything short of shaving points. He's going to be shooting threes with his right hand. Just to, be, just to be a jerk, like, so he wanted me to shoot more. Here you go. It's not going to be pretty. So I think that's a re- that's my biggest low right now is Ben Simmons either needs to just not show up or they need to trade him or they got to figure this situation out because it's going to haunt their season regardless. So this might be an addition by subtraction at this point. And you hate to see that about one of the young promising stars who hasn't quite lived up to his end of it the last couple of years. As sensational as he has been, should be defensive player of the year. And he's still kind of underachieved, which just goes to show how good of a talent he is. 
which is why we hate seeing him shoot 8% from the free throw line. Ben Simmons, man. I just like, I almost feel like he just can't get his own, get out of his own way right now. Like I, don't, I feel like he's just one of those situations. Where everybody's trying to tell him, Hey man, you need to change. And he's like, nah, fam, I'm gonna do me. Like, no, you need to stop. You need to stop being you because you is not good enough for what you're supposed to be. Like, change something. And at the same time, if you don't want to be there, we understand that. Just continue not showing up. Like, did you show up to not get fined? Well, you still are going to get fined for getting kicked out of practice. Like, it's not a good look. And it's, nobody's really going to want to trade for you if you're the guy that gets out of practice and you don't get your way, too. Like, this is it's a very ugly situation in Philadelphia, and I really hope it gets fixed just because I want to see if Ben Simmons does up his game somewhere else, and I want to see how Philadelphia does without him, too. Like, I'm really just curious to see, like, it's the same thing with Brady and Belichick, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant. When they break, when two, when the couple break up, it's always fun to see how both sides play out. And that's one of the big things that always happens in the NBA recently. So I want to see that play out here as well, too. But moving on from that, we're going to go into Kelsey. What is your second high and your second low? I'm actually going to start with my low here. And it's, uh, you know, I was going to make this just about Jackson Mahomes, but really I got to make this about the whole Mahomes family right now. <laughs> Obviously, Patrick throwing his eighth pick this season, uh, seventh and eighth pick in the game against Washington, by the way. Um, four really atrocious ones, but one of them bounced off Tyreek Hill and uh, ended up in the hands of Kendall Fuller. Well, during that, his mother, God bless her soul, uh, decides she wants to tweet, you know, that's not a pick. Call it a fumble. Call it, what it, call it anything else. But that should not go against the quarterback. And to be fair, I, I'm okay. I get her point. Like The amount of times we've seen an interception bounce off somebody's face or hands. Like the amount, When it's our quarterback that someone likes, they will defend them till death. Like we've seen those guys on ESPN and Fox Sports say, that was not Tom Brady's fault. He's glorious without something like that. I mean, Carson Wentz is on the phone asking about some, some of these picks <laughs> in his career uh, at this point in time. But no, look, this is, this is fine. But, but mom and bear go home. Like, relax, because you had to go worry about your other son, Jackson, as in one of the most disrespect. I don't care if it's if it's on purpose, on accident, whatever. You got to be more aware, period, right? Uh, but one of the most disrespectful things I've ever seen to one of the all-time greats, and this is coming from a Cowboys fan who has no love lost for any former Redskins slash Washington football team players, but Sean Taylor, being being celebrated finally by this Washington football team for his career, has his number painted on the sideline. It was cordoned off by a, by a fence, by a chain link fence. And guess who, of all people, is filming a TikTok, dancing on it? Well, that is Jackson Mahomes. Uh, and it is, again, one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. Like, how disrespectful can you be? He came out and says, I want to sincerely apologize for accidentally being on the Sean Taylor 21 at FedEx Field. They were directed to stand in that area and meant absolutely no disrespect to him or his family. He hit the woe in the middle of his logo. He's fenced off by chain link, or by, by a chain. The family's, the family line is cordoned off, by the way. In that area, there's a yellow line, a yellow box, that is to the left of the Sean Taylor logo. He was to the right of that in the Sean Taylor logo. Like, how do you not observe that there's something on the ground here how do you not observe the fact that this whole day has been dedicated to sean taylor i know you're probably focusing more on the chiefs but literally the moment you walk in you see sean taylor things all over fedex field and you still don't look down to see a, a painted number below your feet right like we get if you were actually told to stand there in the fenced off area like for some stupid heinous reason which we won't rule out because this is washington we're talking about say you are told so the lack of awareness back. Like, wow, I'm standing on it on a like basically a memorial. I should not do something stupid here. Just stand here. 
Like that's the lack of awareness you mentioned as well. And this just goes back to show this is what happens, Washington, when you try to rush this Sean Taylor Memorial just to cover up the fact that these emails and the Bruce Allen and all that thing going on. So what happens when you try and use this as a kind of a cover up? It gets really messy when you try and force feed it in three days. So I agree that whole thing's a mess. And looking at specifically at Jackson and Patrick, obviously Patrick, that second interception, especially was just come on man worthy altogether. Like the fourth interception, very similar to that this season, like where he's just like, Oh crap, I messed up. Let me flick it downfield and see what happens. And it, it ends up poorly. Like how many times can you keep doing this? Patrick? Like we're expecting bigger things from you. And then you're doing this. Like, that's why I said, this can't just be about Jackson. Really. This is the home homes family right now, but, but really Jackson is the focus is like, you got to do better. And to your point, uh, the Washington football team has to do better. They, Sean Taylor deserves so much more than a rushed celebration. Um, and unfortunately, I mean, man, did you see the turnout for that? That was not it. I feel bad for Sean Taylor's family. Like that was to in its own right, kind of really disrespectful to what Washington did to him. The only, the one good thing that came out of this was when Chase Young actually used the tape on his helmet, similar to Sean Taylor. That was pretty cool to see as well too. Like that was a really cool moment as well, but that was like the, the only thing that felt like it was done right, honestly. And that was something completely different and individualized. So hopefully they get a chance to do it again properly. Like maybe retire his number or put him in the ring of honor or something. And they do that properly as opposed to this. Yeah. And by the way, uh, Chase Young was fined for that. The, the tape on the face mask. If I had the money, I'd pay his fine for him, but I'm not made of money. He's got a whole lot more Under Armour money than me, so he can handle it. Yeah. He, he uh, according to the reports, he paid it and then also donated the equivalent amount to uh, Washington area, area funds. That's awesome. What a great dude. And at the same time, NFL screw off. Like, come on. He put tape on his face mask. Like what? <laughs> this is the, this is the Zeke jumping in the bucket thing again. It's like he drew attention to a thing like, and you're going to find him for it. Like, stop guys. Like NFL, you got your own issues you need to go worry about. And, and, and there's emails that you need to go worry about. And there's a, a whole quarterback issue you need to go worry about right now too. Like you got your own baggage. You don't worry about somebody else's tape for now. Like you let him, you let him do his thing with tape. Like you literally throw it away afterwards. It's like, let's just, you know, moving on this is going to get us down the entire time. Let's go to your next high. No, so my next high, I'm going to, going to go head over to these Bengals and they did not bungle it away. Finally in the Bengals franchise, they did not bungle one that they should easily win. And that is this lions game. Handily, 34 to 11, uh, very good looking team, very looking, looking game. They look like a team that's actually ready to compete. And by the way, Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow right now, fantastic. And for people who are saying maybe they should have drafted Panay Sewell over, over uh, Joe Burrow, and there was the whole picture that they saw that uh, had Panay Sewell blocking and Joe Burrow standing upright and then Jamar Chase running a route and then Joe Burrow was falling down. Uh, I saw a version of it, and I believe you sent it to me, DJ where uh, Jamar Chase was actually the one blocking and <laughs> Joe Burrow standing up straight while still throwing a touchdown to Jamar Chase. To Joe, and, Joe Mixon, yeah. Yeah, to Joe Mixon. But no, it was like, it's it's Jamar Chase doing absolutely everything right now to ensure all Cincinnati fans that he was the right pick. And, and to be fair, he looked very good. I mean, he continues to look good. And him and Joe Burrow, man, that that connection is is absolutely insane and he's a he's a rookie about a quarter of the way through and he's fifth in the league in receiving yards he's in the top five like he's been absolutely sensational and all this talk in the preseason about how he can't catch the ball and how he was terrible and all that sort of things and about the white thing you and i came on this same podcast and said everybody r-e-l-a-x and what do you know it's almost like everyone overreacted to him just saying it's different when he hasn't played since he was 19 years old like what'd you expect it's, it's literally, it's like, of, and to me, the, my reaction was, of course it's going to be different. It's a different size football too. Like, 
everybody thinks the transition from college to NFL is super easy. You get a different size football. You get the, the lines ripped off there. The ball, honestly, in the NFL is a little bit more like circular shape to some degree. And then for some quarterbacks, it seems to be a little bit more pointed, uh, not looking at you, Tom Brady. But um, <laughs> it's like, I, I don't get it, man. It's like, I, of course it'd be different. Why would people assume that it wouldn't be a, some, some kind of difficult transition for some players? Like, of course it's not going to be easy. Why were they so mad? And like, now here you see Jamar Chase going into week seven, week eight, and it's just like, all right, well, yeah, I'm scared. I'm I'm scared of him and that quartet of weapons in, in, for the Bengals right now. I mean, really, it is a quartet. You could probably say a quintet of weapons if you include C.J. Uzoma and how he's performed lately. I mean, you have T. Higgins absolutely pre- killing it after coming back from injury. Taj Boyd. Uh, Tyler or, Boyd. Yeah, sorry, Tyler Boyd. I always do that. I always call him Taj Boyd for Taj some Taj would make a great tight end, just be 6'9 six, six, and just throw it up. But Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so anyways, uh, no, uh, Tyler Boyd, you have – you know, Jamar Chase, we just talked about a nausea, but then you have the guy by the name of Joe Mixon in that running back core. And, and I mean, really kind of an iron man, really unheralded at running back, but I mean, has been absolutely just killing it lately. And now catching back, catching passes, running touchdowns, like you name it, he's going to do it all right now. He's going to hit it and he's going to hit it hard every single time. Like that's team to look out for if the O-line can hold up and the defense can sure things up. But Jamar Chase has been absolutely sensational. He's been worth every bit of it, and that's why we ranked him as our top-rated receiver coming out of the draft, as good of a class as it was. Absolutely. So we'll jump into my second high, my second high. Second high, I'm going to kind of piggyback off those emails you mentioned a little bit earlier. I'm going to look at the Raiders. I'm going to say they are a high because you had that whole John Gruden emails fiasco stemming from Monday night. You had a shorter week from that because you lose your head coach Monday. You bring an interim coach Tuesday, and not only is it an interim coach, you have a new play caller since John Cruden was the basically the play caller slash OC. So you replace all of that as well. And not only did you come out and play good football, you played arguably your best game of the year. I know it was a Denver Broncos team that is reeling that hasn't beat anybody. I think their combined wins, the teams that they beat have a combined two wins now, maybe three. Like it's not like they've beaten anybody impressive, but they've came out and absolutely starched, starched them. Henry Ruggs looks sensational. He looked like Alabama Henry Ruggs. Derek Carr was slinging dots. Hunter Redfro was just kind of hanging out, a guy we've advocated to get the ball to more. They didn't need him as much. Darren Waller was Darren Waller. Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake, both scoring touchdowns. This team, getting rid of John Gruden was almost the best thing that happened to them. Max Crosby somehow looked even more mad than he normally is. Like, he was mad Max even to another degree. I Obviously, it was kind of a hit to the entire team. I, obviously, I'm not saying that they played, they were happy to have him gone, but it feels like it almost brought them all together a little bit better, and I think we were worried about them dropping off after going 3-0, then 0-2. I think this win could be something that catapults them to maybe in that wild card slash maybe the AFC West crown. I don't know with the Chargers and there's still the Chiefs lingering, but they could be propelling themselves into a wild card spot. That was a that performance they put on against Denver, a team that they should beat if they want to be that good. They beat them handily. So maybe addition by subtraction was the case with the Raiders. So that's why they're going to be my high right now as you go through all that turmoil on a short week. And you answer it with flying colors, nonetheless. You, this could have been a great excuse to lay down, but they did not. Well, you know, it's it's interesting because you compare that to the game they had when Gruden was still in charge. After the messages came out, uh, it was almost like night and day. I mean, really, that game against uh, that the game with with Gruden still in charge was that team looked like it laid down. That team looked like it didn't care, and then it was almost like relief to see them this week just come out and just ball. I mean, really, like that was balling out. That, that is absolutely the definition of balling out right now. Everybody was was running running on all cylinders 
And to add to your point too, I mean, they played, they lost like to Chicago, like 20 to nine or something like that as well, too. It's not like they lost to a really good team with all those messages. They lost, they beat the Broncos and the bears. You could put on similar footing at this point. I mean, like they're, I think record wise, like overall wise, it's probably as, as close to a similarity as you're going to get back to back weeks. And you could see the night and day difference from when they played. They even have the same colors. Like, I mean, my goodness, like it's, it all adds up there. So that's going to take me to my second low and I'm going to stay on the gridiron and I'm going to look at the Cleveland Browns a team. You and I had really, really high hopes on coming into the year. That performance against the Cardinals was abysmal. The officiating was very, very rough to say the least. We won't get too much into that because we could do that for literally every single game, every single week. We can make a daily podcast on officiating, go game by game, but that's going to take too damn long. So we're going to go past the officiating, just go on the Maybe performance. Next season. What was that? Maybe next season. Daily. Maybe referee well, the referee report. That'll be our daily like live show or something like that. But Baker Mayfield was absolutely mediocre at best, but minus a Hail Mary to Donovan Peoples-Jones, like, a terrible interception, two fumbles while, especially one while trying to scramble when the play is dead and you know, you have a hurt shoulder, you know, you're not healthy, throw that ball away. You had so much time to throw it away. Instead, you tried to be superhero Baker to Lamar Baker, Baker Jackson, whatever you want to call him and fell and got his shoulder hurt again and fumbled the ball. And to the point where now he's not even starting Thursday because he, because he's hurt. Now you have case Keenum coming in. Your offensive line is banged up. Jarvis and Odell are game time decisions. Basically it's a, well, we'll see guys. No Nick Chubb, no Kareem Hunt. Like this team is reeling right now. It's going very, very negative. No Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa. Like their their injury reports looking like the Colts early injury report. We joked about being a CBS or see it's basically the Browns at this point. And they just they played terrible. The coaching Kevin Stefanski is a great coach, but it hasn't been his best coaching job the last few weeks. Defensive coordinator, I think it's Woods is his last name. My goodness, change your scheme. It's not working. You have a you have a plethora of safeties and giant safeties like Grant Delpit that could play linebacker move them around, do something like that. Help Miles Garrett not get double teamed every play and triple teamed and held, like find ways to utilize them. Like this team's reeling. And I I'm really worried they're going to end up like the 49ers were last year, a team that came in with a lot of expectations coming off of an amazing playoff run. And then a combination of just injuries and the wheels coming off. And I'm, I'm really worried that the Browns are about to turn into this year's 49ers. Cause it's starting to look like that. They got a big game coming up. This, this comes out on Thursday. So this will be right before the game. They got to win that Thursday night game. Otherwise the season's, Hanging by the thinnest of threads, to say the least, and in case they must trust it, it is Keenum season in Cleveland. We'll see if he can come through for him. One thing we do know is he does know how to throw the ball to Stephon Diggs, which means he should know how to ball- throw the ball to Odell Beckham Jr. I don't know, man. I'm not, I guess I'm not. I don't feel as bad about the the Browns as, as a lot of people do. Their three losses have come against the Cardinals, leading their division, the Chargers, leading their divisions, and a Week One Chiefs absolute barn burner of a game that looked like we saw the Chiefs that were just in the Super Bowl type of situation. Not not the Chiefs from the Super Bowl, the Chiefs that got to the Super Bowl, though. And and those three games, I mean, obviously, yeah. Like, you'd love to ha- you'd love to go back, and, and they're all winnable. I mean, all three of them were winnable for the Browns. They obviously let drop the ball here at the end of the game. And then, yeah, that sucks. But I think outside of injuries, which, which by the way, that list of injuries is stupid – uh, I'm tired of seeing injuries to major players like this all the time, but you're playing this week against, well, a Broncos team. I'll talk about here in a second. The week after that is a Steelers team who uh, it's safe to say you feel pretty comfortable about miles Garrett eating somebody's lunch. And then do what the Steelers and the Browns now do have the same record through all of it though as well too. That's the, that's fine. And that's fine. I mean, look, that's absolutely okay because the Steelers just played at a decrepit Seahawks team who, by the way, was a fumble from DK and a fumble from uh, Geno Smith away from winning that game. 
And then again, like the week after that, they play the Bengals who, while all things are going well for the Bengals, as I just talked about, they are still the Bengals. Then you have the Patriots. Then you have the Lions. Like this is a, I'm going to go Aaron Rodgers right now on, on bears, uh, on Browns fans and say R E L A X. And just, it'll be okay. Once people get healthy, once they get healthy, they'll be fine. It doesn't look like Baker's going to be healthy all season, though, by the sounds of it. This one doesn't seem like something you can rest. This injury is going to be there the whole season. That's the problem that I have. See, as well. And it's not only the games that you did lose. Obviously, the Chargers and the Chiefs, very winnable. You're not too concerned about those. That Cardinals game, they were down 20 to nothing. They, they got blown out of the water and outcoached. The score was as close as it ended up being, which wasn't close, wasn't indicative. Against the Vikings, my goodness, you survived that game. Like, you straight up survived that game. That was 17 Everybody to survives against the Vikings right now. I mean, Look, that team, for some reason, the Vikings just harass people. I know they're one and three, but they just are a team that harasses people. The amount of missed shots, though, I mean, like the amount of times Odell was open, guys were open, that sort of thing as well, too. The defense held its own after that first drive, but the offense has been looking really shaky. Even against the Texans, they looked really rough until Terod Taylor got hurt, which has there been a more unlucky player in the history of the NFL? I mean, I don't know at this point, too. but I'd honestly say Odell right now in his tenure with the Browns might be more unlucky. That's true. I'm going Tyrod Taylor's whole career. It does not matter where he's at. It seems like he is. There's yeah. a black hat around there. And this will lead me into my, my, my highs and lows, my last highs and lows, because this is just one that I'm just going to take and walk away with because you talk about Case Keenum taking over. Well, they just happen to be going against the Broncos, who is the reason for my last low. And that is the Broncos and Panthers after starting three and oh, now three and three. And the Broncos, the wheels have just fallen off. I mean, let's be completely honest. It's not like it's injury woes that have led them. They are not browning it up right now to get to the three and three mark. Ironically, like, they're both missing a chub. Yeah, look, hey, that's fine. But Bradley, <laughs> no, the irony of that, the both teams meeting right now without the chub, what should have been the cousin bowl, and we don't even get it. This is ridiculous. This is what well, I'm here for. To be fair to the, the the Broncos, I don't think how many games have they had uh, Bradley Chubb and Von Miller playing together at this point in time. We talk about oh, not at all, but th- this was the year that Bradley Chubb was supposed to stay healthy. This was his year. Is Von? It was the year that Von Miller doesn't play with Bradley Chubb. Like this is what I was here for. Yeah, fair enough. All right, but look, this is. I mean, and, and speaking of Von Miller, by the way, very ridiculous <laughs> uh, tirade he went on, and and he called out Browns and the Browns and everybody else. I look, I, I'm 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 not sure Von Miller's totally there right now. If I'm being fair, I think he's he's fed up and he's frustrated with losing and and just kind of trying to to lash out and try to get something going here for the Broncos. But it's not going to be this week. I, I look. I don't care if Case Keenum's in the backfield throwing the ball for for the Browns. I'm I am not worried about them playing the Broncos because the offense for the Broncos is inept right now. Uh, it's I mean you might as well be spoon feeding a baby bird who can barely fly at, at, at this point in time, hoping it flies ten miles. We do both agree. Get that ten miles off of off this off this Broncos offense. We do both agree the Browns are winning this game. If we had to do our predictions for Thursday right now, we're both hoping the dogs pick the Browns when it comes to the doggy pickums too. I hope so. I like. I'm so tired of watching Hershey pick the wrong wrong (laughs) side, and as as she stares at me and and gives me dagger eyes, it's like. But I will say it is a concerning precedent moving forward. Is my thought on the Browns and for the Broncos? Like at this point, my goodness, as you mentioned, them and the Panthers, so much so much hype early on, and then Earth comes crashing down. Yeah, and now for the Panthers, it. Honestly, I'm less surprised about the Panthers, especially when you add in the injury woes. Like, those injuries are bad. CMC, obviously, is that's big. Like, there's no question about it. Uh, Chuba Hubbard has been very, good. very good in his, in his replacement time. But the one that the part that concerns me with the Panthers is the Sam Darnold just where'd he go? Uh, the, the Sam Darnold in the first three games was, was playing very, very good. He was the Sam Darnold that was getting drafted out of USC number one overall. 
the the Sam Darnold we're seeing in the last three games, it's like, well, where are you at? Why 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 did I get ghost watching? It Jets, is spooky. Sam it Darnold. is spooky season. I mean, it is getting close to Halloween, so I guess it's ghost time. It, it's <sighs> real life now, I suppose. It's it's just frustrating to watch because he was doing so well, and that that receiving core uh, deserves better. That receiving core specifically deserves better from a quarterback because they are very good and they are just not getting fed right now. That defense does not look like the same defense either. Um, that defense looks like a shell of itself. It looks like a bunch of guys that just got drafted in the last two years, which, to be fair, they did just get drafted in the last two years. So it looks like they have their own learning woes right now. But uh, hopefully they put it together for the Panthers. The Broncos, I don't know what the answer is for the Broncos right now because it's a whole lot of misses right now. I mean, you have you have some health issues, but really it's almost like your personnel just doesn't care. Like the person, your veterans don't care about being there to fight and, and win and try to win in this division. So they already see the Cardinals. They already, or they already see the chiefs. They already see the Raiders. They already see the chargers walking ahead of them. And they're just like, ah, maybe next year. And then there's Von Miller. Who's doing whatever you want to call this tirade. Uh, I don't, it just seemed out of place for Von Miller. Uh, a very, normally very well-spoken guy um, to go on a, on a pretty curse laden tirade. That was a little bit much for me, but, and I have no problem with people talking. Like that, that never been an issue, but this one was just a little bit odd. It was, um, it's the biggest one for the Broncos is I hope to see Jerry Judy come back is despite everything. I felt like he was on the verge of having a bit of a breakout type season as well too, in that sophomore campaign. And he started off pretty good before the injury. So hopefully he's able to come back and finish the season strong as well too. Yeah, absolutely. Now let me get to my last high. That way I can give it over to you. Um, but the last high, this one's going to be very simple. Ravens running back core right now. In this last game, they had three former 1,000-yard rushers all score a touchdown. Three former 1,000-yard rushers. By the way, one of them was not named Lamar Jackson, who if, by the way, he would have scored a touchdown, that would have been four former 1,000-yard rushers to score in the same game. But three is already a record. First time in NFL history that one team has had three former 1,000-yard rushers score in the same game. What? Like, you lose J.K. Dobbins, and we're all like, all right, well, that sucks for you guys, but the Ravens right now, can there, is there a better team in the league right now than the Ravens consistently? Maybe the Cardinals, but that's about all you got right now. I yeah. mean, like it's and even then, it's close. Like, maybe Tampa Bay, but it's close. It's a whole lot of birds and a, and a buccaneer, so. Uh, and a bit of a ram, maybe. I guess we'll throw some credit their way, too, but, like, yeah. Yeah, that's true, but like, this is, I mean, Lamar, the way he's been playing, I mean, he was very efficient in this game. He didn't have to do anything. I mean, really, like, that defense did a lot of the work for them. They just were just like, all right, well, we're just going to hand the ball off. I mean, three running backs with 40 plus yards. Uh, Le'Veon Bell had eight carries for 18 yards and a touchdown. He literally just got carries around the, around the uh, goal line, which I imagine is going to increase as like his carry rate is going to increase as he gets under this offense. I mean, this team is just, this is scary. I mean, literally I thought the Ravens were scary at the beginning of the season and then they lost Dob- Dobbins and I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm not so worried now. No, I'm worried again about the Ravens. The Ravens look good. And none of those thousand yard rushers did it in this decade either. It's been a while since they had a thousand yards rushing as well, too. So the fact that they got old veterans that did it a long time ago, back finding the fountain of youth, very, that's a very dangerous team as well, too. That is a very, very scary squad moving forward. Oh, 100%. I think, well, Latavius Murray was the most recent, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Le'Veon Bell was the most recent, but okay, yeah. Okay. That's all you need to know is Le'Veon Bell was the most recent 1,000-yard rusher. <laughs> there you go. All right, DJ, what's your last high and last low? 
I want to go to the highs, and I'm going to make it kind of quick. A guy that we talked a little bit about in the offseason who's starting to come around a little bit. I'm going to look at Carson Wentz, Mr. Two, two Sprains himself, who's starting to look come along pretty strong these last three games. We talked about week one, not too great against Seattle, getting hit a lot against the Rams. Pretty good, honestly, for a leap, especially the second half before he went down. The Titans was miserable. Against the Dolphins, multiple touchdowns, no picks. Looked pretty solid. Against the Ravens, his career high in passing yards at over 400. More than 70%, I think close to 70% completion, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe it was mid 60s, somewhere in that area. Multiple touchdowns. I don't think they punted twice that whole game until the wheels came off basically in the second half and blocked field goals, missed PATs, Rodrigo's hip injury, commentators playing secondary against the Ravens. Like you couldn't ask for Carson to do much more than that one. And he continued it against the Texans, who a team you should beat. He's the highest graded offensive player by pro football focus last week at like 95 or something like that. So as much as Carson has been maligned and with the Colts two and four record, everyone's like, well, you shouldn't have went and got Carson. He's arguably been the bright spot this year. When you look at the Colts team, that's dramatically underachieved, especially based off our expectations. He's been the one bright spot for him. I mean, that beautiful touchdown to Paris Campbell, finding T Y Hilton for multiple bombs. He's, he's brought, made their offense the most explosive. It's arguably been in a very, very long time. In fact, I think I have the stat on here somewhere for them. So the Colts had four plays of 50 plus yards the entire 2020 season. They have four plays of 50 plus yards in the last two weeks in just 2021. So he's found a way to make, make this offense explosive. Sure. He has some moments of Carson, get the ball out of your hands. Carson, your legs don't work right now. Don't run. Like he will drive people crazy, but he's been really good. He's been way better than last year's Carson. The Carson that everyone was a turnover machine and needs to get out of the league. He's already proven to be, that was an anomaly compared to his normal career. So pretty high on what Carson Wentz has been doing the last six quarters, not six quarters, almost 12 quarters now, if I'm not mistaken. I'll take away, I'll take away week one of the Miami game. Yeah, and, and he has a very interesting matchup this week coming up against the Niners. I mean, that'll be it'll be interesting to see him carry it over if he can carry it over, if it was like a maybe a two-week roll for him. But this is kind of the Carson we almost expected at the beginning of the season was was this kind of Carson to be rolling, but I mean, I guess lack of preseason plus the COVID plus the surgery. So like, you never know, maybe he just got through his preseason and let's not to mention the Colts are getting healthier too. We talked about the CVS receipt. They're starting to get healthier. So maybe Carson's clicking when they get healthy. Maybe the Colts don't fully let us down as the season goes on. Maybe they get rolling. They do have the schedule to get a whole lot easier moving forward. We know that that's for sure. Yeah. That like first, uh, what? Six games of, of death. That was uh Finally out of the way. So like five teams that won 10 plus games last year, four playoff teams. Like it was only up from here for them as well. And that'll take me to my second low as we, as we're closing in, I'm going to take it to the octagon. Paulo Costa fighting in a main event against Marvin Vittori, two of the top three rated guys at middleweight. And now he's having weight issues. Like Paulo Costa has not fought. If I'm not mistaken, since he fought Israel Adesanya for the title. And it ended with Adesanya literally humping him. You, that is the last time you were in the octagon. And now you're trying to debate, about how you about weight, like, oh, I can't make 185. Your contract is 185. You're 185 in the rankings. You fight at 185. It's middleweight. Oh, I need to do 195. Oh, I need to do 198. Oh, I'm 211 pounds now. There's no way I can make it. Shout out to Marvin Vittori, who's is cringy and uncomfortable and kind of a kind of a D-bag sometimes when you listen to his press conferences. But he's literally saying, I don't care what weight you show up at. It could you could be Francis and Ghanu as long as you show up at this point. So shout out to him for just like not letting Paulo Costa finagle through this too much, but that's a terrible look. You're a professional. You cannot be doing this. Like when trying to debate on the weight on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday thing, like your job is to make the weight, be a professional, get there. You're a top ranked guy. You were complaining about not getting Logan Paul money a few weeks ago. And now this is what, this is why you don't get paid as much. Cause you have to give up money when you don't make weight. Like you're not just absolutely embarrassing. Honestly, like he's one of the best fighters in middleweight. He could be, 
put himself right back in the title contention if he goes out with a statement. But it's not really going to matter if you don't at least fight it at your proper weight class. Like, there's no 197 and a half pound weight class or whatever the hell catch weight they end up settling on. So, absolutely lack of professional from a guy who last time we saw was literally getting dry humped after getting knocked out. So, like, but he really, this is at this point, he should be basically, I don't want to say shut up and fight, but go in there and make a statement, then start talking about Logan Paul money and talking about other stuff like that. But very, very bad look right now for Paul Acosta, a guy who's, it's been a rough while for him. He should not be trying to call shots and change away right now. You got to be ready and go in there properly. Yeah. Look, you. Yeah, I, we've talked about this whole professionalism thing and uh, in different topics all, all year, it feels like this is just another one. It's just like, you have a contract. It says this. Don't try to renegotiate that when you're supposed to be one of the top in your field at this, at this, in this sport. And like, just do it, like, just do it. And if you can't do it, you don't deserve the money. Stop talking about trying to get more money. Like it's, that's just that simple, but we've seen it from different sports, different athletes almost all season long. It's just, what is up with right now? Like this is taking this whole player empowerment thing to a different level of just player ignorance. Like we just, just miss your weight and take the fine or something like that. I just, this is ridiculous. You you don't get the call the shot for your weight class 72 hours before you weigh in. Like, that's not really how this works. I mean, especially when Paul Costa is a really good fighter, but most people really don't care that much about him. It's not like he is Israel Adesanya, Conor McGregor, someone who makes his own shots. You're not in a boxing room where you're an independent contractor and you actually can make your own shots. Like that's not, uh, he, that's just, that's just, that just, for some reason, drove me the wrong way. It's like, you said, you'll fight it this way. Don't try and change it four different times, 72 hours in advance. Like good on Marvin Vittori saying I'll fight him regardless. So he's a guy that's trying to get back to the title shot. Paul Costa doesn't seem too interested in it, or at least he's not acting like it. We'll see though. Maybe he shows up a fight and gets a first round knockout and this doesn't matter, but I mean, this just feels like somebody who just doesn't wants to take the lazy way out. Really. It's like Vittori over here is like, look, I'm ready to beat the crap out of him. No matter what he shows up at, he can show up at 500 pounds and I'm going to knock <laughs> him out. But, you know, you got Costa, who's just like, ah, I don't feel like cutting weight and getting dangerously sick again because I was lazy and didn't do it enough in my training. So I ate too many burgers. My bad. And, and he's also the guy that blamed being drunk while he lost Israel Adesanya, too. He said he drank wine and stuff like that and had blamed being drunk. So he's a long list of excuses with Paul Costa. That's a messy situation. But we that's going to take us. We're going to now take ourselves to Clutch Time, brought to you by Swift Lifestyles all the clean energy feel you need kind of like g fuel but much cleaner and healthy for you as well too and kelsey i'm gonna let you go first in clutch time what what's your thought what's what's got what's on your mind so obviously we talked about there's all these sports going on we got basketball we've talked about we have football we have mma we've talked about the one thing we haven't talked about who by the way is just happens to be in the playoffs right now and in the championship series the alcs nlcs is happening right now the mlb playoffs it's been a wild really playoffs so far you had the giants losing to the dodgers in game five of the nlds last week and then here you had the braves and dodgers matching up so far in the nlds the braves with the advantage 2-1 as of right now when we're recording this which is during the game while they're playing the braves are up five nothing uh in the bottom of the fifth looks like they're gonna head on to a 3-1 lead now if that the dodgers end up pulling something out of their hat here uh and and, and coming back then i'll eat crow on that one and and it'll be tied to 2-2 but the Astros, man, 3-2 lead on the Red Sox. That series has been just one where they're just like, you know what? Who can score the most amount of runs in, in the shortest amount of time is what it feels like. Game one was a close one. It was 5-4 for the Astros. But then game two, the Red Sox, 9-5. Game three, the Red Sox, 12-3. Game four, the Astros, 9-2. And then game five, 9-1 for the Astros. I mean, 
this is just insane amount of offense and it's it's i don't know it's fun to watch i mean looking at the Braves series it's, it's been very close all around the worst game so far score wise is actually currently the game four that they are playing and that's five nothing everything else has been a one-run game um so very exciting in the nlds but or nlcs but the alcs right now who can get to five first because they're going to win the game uh seems to be the the way that's going it's a lot of fun but uh, you know, with uh, with baseball, you never know at the end of the day. Absolutely, as well, too. It's been quite the playoff run to where both of my World Series predictions were knocked out right away. So it's been, every as we told you, and it comes to baseball predictions, take a take a pound of salt with it, too. Maybe just do the opposite, and you'll have better luck. Yeah, it's all about who gets hot who, who gets hot on time. And then, obviously, the Dodgers uh, knocking out the Giants there in that, that game. We always talk, we talked about it. The, the Dodgers-Giants series, that's always going to be a tough one because on top of everything, it's a rivalry. That's, exactly. It's and never easy. And the Dodgers getting that wild card. Maybe that helped them actually get hope them build a little momentum. Who knows as well, too. All right, for a clutch nine for me, I'm just going to look at college football, the rankings. It's so miserable because Iowa, they were ranked number two. You lose to Purdue, which was embarrassing. You shouldn't have. You dropped to number 11 after that. You missed, you're out of the top 10 altogether. Alabama lost to Texas A&M, I believe it was. You went from number one to number five. You literally moved them down just a few spots. And now the rankings as it is, Georgia, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, Alabama, Ohio State is your top five with Michigan, Penn State, Oklahoma, Michigan State, and Oregon rounding out the top ten. No matter what happens, it's basically the only chance is Cincinnati stays in there and we don't have the same Georgia, Oklahoma, Alabama, Ohio State that we've had every single year of the playoff, it feels like, with the occasional Oregon or LSU slipping in there. It seems like the call – was that? Or Washington. Exactly, and then the occasional Notre Dame and Clemson, like, it's a eighteen. It's eight teams that get the four spots every single year. It feels like, but there's been very few anomalies. They need to find a way to fix this ranking system. I know you could be like, oh well, Alabama's one of the best teams. You lost a game to an unranked team. Michigan should be ahead of them. Same with Ohio State, even though they did lose to Oregon, which is a good team. So uh, Ohio State, you have a case for. Oklahoma State deserves a chance to be a little bit higher up on there as well too. Iowa doesn't need to drop out of the top ten altogether. The way you, the way this is shown, they could maybe drop to that seven eight spot as well. They're below a Penn State team that Penn State team that they beat two weeks ago by four spots. Penn State's number seven. Like the, the ranking system's just absolutely abysmal. I hate it. it. At least expand the playoff to eight teams. Give us that. Like give us something just so it's not the same four. Like at least right now, if you did that, you would have had in Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Oklahoma State. And we know if you, and Michigan State and Oregon are right behind then Iowa. We know that's not how it'd be at the end of the season because Penn State would probably lose another one or Michigan, Michigan State, just with those big 10, 10 teams that have to play each other. It would at least mix up a little bit, but it seems like that all they care about is getting four, at least four of those eight teams in there and nobody else matters. Hopefully Cincinnati can hold strong and at least guarantee we have one power five, like a different school in there sort of thing. Cause we already know Georgia's probably going to get there. Alabama's probably going to get to the SEC championship. And if Alabama wins that they're in Georgia's in Oklahoma, we'll see if they run the table, which they'll have to do. If not, the college football ranking thing's just a mess. It was supposed to be better with the playoff, but it feels like the BCS just even more ridiculous at this point. Yeah, it's it's the BCS, but uh, a more biased B- BCS. Like, Who would have thought that was possible, right? <laughs> yeah, like I mean, let's be honest. Look, the, at least the advantage with BCS is it's all computerized. I, I mean, it was based off of current polls along with seventeen different algorithms. Now the current playoff system is based off of well, the current polls and then a bunch of people at a table. Who, by the way, just happen to have a rooting interest in some of these teams because they're either their conference uh, person or they actually have ties to that school. So I don't know, man. It's it's all ugly all around. Right. 
give us a 10 team playoff give two teams a bye give us an 18 playoff i don't care find a way the fcs can do it with like 30 teams you can find a way to do it with eight like it's asking for an extra game really that's literally all we're asking for maybe two like the amount of money you make it shouldn't be a problem like i'm sure georgia will gladly play an extra game if because of the amount of money they will generate here you go it's as simple as this as simple as this get rid of conference championships division winners from all from all the power five schools plus two at large bids there we go. 12 teams in works for me. Yeah. Like, I mean, you, you, you're done that easy. It's just that easy. You're done. You don't have to worry about any yeah. of the excess BS. It's just yeah. that easy. Yeah. And you, if you do not win your division, you cannot be in that large bid. So that only leaves non power five schools that can take those at large bids or a Notre Dame. Yeah, that seems perfect. I mean, you put six on one side, six on the other. Because yeah, that that worked perfectly. I don't see the issue here. Like it seems so cut and dry. Give teams bye weeks if you have to. Whatever you got to do. Cool. So a, a, NCAA, we, we uh, solved it in 37 seconds. We solved it. There we go. NCAA. We look forward to seeing this implemented next year. We'll survive this year one more time since it's a little bit late to do it now, and we'll go from there. Yeah, we'll expect our check in the mail. Thank you. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a big check. It just gives some equity and like the little Hilo Sports logo on there on every single playoff game. Oh, that'd be sick. Hilo <laughs> yeah, we'll Sports get, we'll, presents the national championship game. Oh, don't tempt me, man. Don't tempt me. But anyway, that will do it for this episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. We're going to try and get a hold of the NCAA and see if we can make this thing make this thing real. So if you see our logo around, well, now you know why. But as always, it's DJ and Kelsey. Thank you, guys. We'll see you again next week. And also, before I forget, don't forget to join us on ColorCast this weekend for a couple of fun games as well, too. Especially that Colts 49ers game we have Sunday night. That should be an absolute doozy as well. Yeah, absolutely. That'll be a lot of fun. Can't wait for that, guys. Stay tuned to our social media, and we will give you all the updates. And as always, see ya. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You could get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.